Hi, everyone. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa. I teamed up with their team to produce a special series in celebration of leading women and their journeys. Invest Ottawa supports business owners and entrepreneurs through services and programs and recently opened applications for SheBoot, a six-week boot camp to ensure that your business is investment ready. If you're interested, you can visit investottawa.ca forward slash SheBoot to learn more. I encourage anybody and everybody to, if you're not getting fulfilled with your career where you're currently at, look to go someplace else. Because mm-hmm. you never know, a change in environment, a change in culture, a change in climate can significantly impact how you work and what you do. You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Haile, and on the show today, I sat down with Mary Galloway, who is absolutely incredible. This is definitely an episode to remember, and in the title or description, you probably see many references to cybersecurity, but this is not only for folks who are in the space or are looking to enter. This episode is for creative people. It's for professionals at any stage of their career who want to grow, show up for themselves and even design a career that doesn't demand that you ransack your lifestyle. Mary also shared some unconventional career paths that she has seen into the cyberspace, from accountant to dancer during her time at Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. This is hands down one of my favorite conversations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I'm here with Mary Galloway. Mary, how are you doing today? I am awesome. It's a beautiful day in Vegas right now. The weather's great. The sun is shining. Hey, and it's going to be a light day at work. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Mary, thanks so much for being here. For some context for the audience, Mary is the CEO and a founding member of the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu, which is one of the fastest growing nonprofit cybersecurity communities dedicated to bringing more women and girls into cybersecurity careers. Mary began her career as a network engineer with Accenture, and she has over 11 years of information technology experience under her belt, eight of which are in cybersecurity. And her experience spans network design, security architecture, risk assessments, amongst many other facets. She's worked for the federal government in the U.S. and across commercial industries, and she holds a variety of technical and management certifications. So maybe I'd love for you to share a little bit about the certification process, what that's what that's like. Um, she also has a bachelor's degree in computer information systems from Columbus State University and a master's of science in information systems from Strayer University. And in 2019, Mary was also selected as an ISC2 diversity award winner. Today, Mary, as uh, did you mention that you live in Las Vegas? She works in Las Vegas. I do. Um, lives there <laughs> and she's currently working for the uh, Palo Alto Networks as a customer success architect. Mary loves teaching and education, so you can imagine she's also an associate professor at the University of Maryland (laughs) University College. So wow, wow, I'm so (laughs) honored to be speaking with you, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love your energy. So this is gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for you to give us a little bit more context and nuance maybe about how you grew up, your origin story. Well, you know, 80 years ago, I was a little, <laughs> a little, little nanite in mom's womb. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm a military brat. 
I grew up, my mom was in the Air Force. She did 25 years in. My grandmother was in. My dad, my stepdad, everybody was in the military. So it was assumed I'd probably go into the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't. I wanted to go to college. <laughs> you know, being a military brat, you grow up around tons of different people. It's such a diverse group of um, folks from white, black, Asian, Hispanic, uh, pretty much everybody from the world. And so, you know, I had I had some level of privilege, I guess. We got the good education and we got to have, you know, to travel to different places. I graduated high school in Italy. So that's kind of cool. Wow. Very few people can say that, right? So when I started in the tech field, I didn't come into it from a background of, I've been tinkering with computers and breaking them apart since I was three. You know, <laughs> like I had my own little computers and I did stuff with it, but that wasn't my background. My background was I played with Legos a lot. I like to do puzzles. I like to solve stuff. And I was actually an architecture student when I went to college because mm-hmm. I wanted to build and design cities. And what prompted me to go more into the tech and cyberspace was I got married and moved to Georgia. And the school that I wanted to go to didn't have an architecture program. So I had to fall back to my second degree of computer information systems. And that's kind of how that ball got started. And then I kind of just fell into uh, my first job. Mom was working for Accenture. They were looking for IT folks. I had just finished school with my bachelor's degree. And she was like, hey, come talk to this recruiter. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I went, talked to her. She was like, cool, let's have you talk to the boss of the team. And you know, I talked to him. He was asking me like, what is ping? And what is this? And what is that? And I was like, really? (laughs) Luckily, I had studied those questions already. So I was able to get that first job. I actually hated that first job. Mm. Like my first experience in a a real job outside of like retail and armed security and customer service was this job that I hated. And I was like, is this the tech life for real? (laughs) Like, whoa, this sucks. I want to do tech stuff. I want to like build stuff and rip cables and put stuff in. And I wasn't able to do that. And so that's kind of how I got started with IT. And then how I got started with, you know what, if I want to be successful in this, if I want to grow in this industry, I got to take matters into my own hands. And I have to do this my way. And that's kind of what got that ball rolling. That's so interesting. And it's crazy because you know, upon listening to people's stories, it's not often a, a straight line path, right? right. I, I had, you know, these role models. I always knew that I was going to do this from a very young age. And it's pretty cool how things can just happen, right? Like a simple mm-hmm. introduction from your mother to this recruiter. One thing led to another. You're in this space. I'm curious to know also around maybe some of your perceptions of what this industry would look like and did that did that first experience were you of the mindset that this is what all jobs in technology look like or were you open to like exploring further what else you could do so coming in i had no clue what any of it looked like when i got in after that experience i said you know what i'm gonna get these certifications i got ccna and then i went and got security plus because that was right at the beginning of when, so in the States, they have the, um, the 8570. So you have to get these certain certifications mm-hmm. to have the, to be qualified for these certain levels. And so that was right at that time. So I was like, let me just get this really quick. Cause if I decide to leave, I can go someplace else and not have any issues. I didn't let it stop me because at that same job, I went to a class for security plus and Joe McRae, he's out of the Northern Virginia, DC area was teaching an ethical hacking class across the hall. And he came in and he showed us router configurations on the internet. 
And at that point I said, hold up. I work on those. <laughs> Why is that information in plain text on the internet for everybody to see? And how did he find it? And so that, that one thing made me change paths from being like a network administrator to wanting to do security stuff. Cause I was like, hold up, this looks really cool. And this looks like I can really help people versus just, you know, installing switches and routers and things like that. So that experience helped me say, okay, let me just stick around for a little bit longer. Let me get what I can from the company and then I'll move on to something else. And that's kind of how that ball rolled. You know, I stayed there for another, I think I was there for like a year and a half. And then I moved to North Carolina and got a job doing security stuff in North Carolina. Mm, very interesting. You've lived in a lot of different states and it's funny, actually, like, um, I'm living in Canada right now, but most of my audience <laughs> is in the U.S. But it's like I hear a lot of being able to just pick up and move with ease. So I'm wondering, you know, I mean, you're also you grew up as a military child. Yeah. So that was sounds like it was pretty natural for you to like start over in a new place. Can yeah. you share a little bit about if folks are interested in this industry, what it's like going from state to state and um, and really growing and expanding in your career? So it's difficult. I will say that. I got lucky. My husband was in the army. So when he moved, <laughs> I could move. <laughs> and it, it worked out that way. We didn't move together for his entire career, but that made it a little bit easier having having some connection to the location you're going to. And when I moved back, you know, when I moved to the DC area, my folks are there now. So it, it made it a little bit easier. Plus, I, I kind of grew up in that area when we were stationed in the Northern Virginia area. So I had friends there still. But the move to Vegas, it was difficult. We didn't know anybody out here. We moved out here with another couple. And um, it's expensive. If you plan to move, if you're planning to take furniture, things like that, you need to have a plan. Because it can cost upwards of ten grand to move across country if you put all of your stuff on one of those big trucks that just move the stuff across the country, um, shipping your vehicles. Cause we didn't drive. We, we, uh, flew. So we shipped the vehicles. So you got to make a plan, figure out, okay, I want to move to this state. What is it going to cost me to get all of the stuff that I have to that state? What is it going to cost me when I get there? You know, cause you got, if you don't have a place to live right away, you're going to be in a hotel or an Airbnb. So you got to figure that part out. Um, you got to look at, all right, if I get a house or an apartment, do I have to worry about turning utilities on? Do I have to worry about this? Those kinds of things you have to think about. So a move across country, we had a decent sized house on the East Coast. So that's part of why it was so expensive. But a move across country could easily go 15 grand. If it's you and someone else, or if it's you and a family of people, like you know, if you're moving your family across, which is a great thing about the military, when it's time for you to move, they move you. Right, right. <laughs> and I got spoiled with that. So <laughs> it was like, oh, culture shock. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I encourage anybody and everybody to, if you're not getting fulfilled with your career where you're currently at, look to go someplace else. Because mm -hmm. you never know, a change in environment, a change in culture, a change in climate can significantly impact how you work and what you do. Mm, that's, so. a, that's a great point. <clears throat> For some context, you, the industry that you're in is quite large. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was looking at some stats, you know, by 2027, the global cybersecurity market will reach about $276 billion, which is, is crazy. And I think these numbers have also spiked 
um, now that everyone's working from home mm-hmm. and, you know, there are increased, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but oftentimes, I don't know what the percentage is, but <clears throat> when there are breaches that happen, you know, there's a lot that companies can do um, by way of educating their workforce and just understanding, mm-hmm. like, these are some threats that you should be aware of. This is how these things work. So I'm wondering from a career perspective, and maybe you can also talk a little bit about the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu and how you got involved with them as well, because I know that you found it initially through a study group whenever you, when you were studying for your certification. So can you share a little bit about the industry as a whole from your understanding and then also some of the resources that are available for people who are interested in entering the space? So work from home, COVID threw a wrench in everything. <laughs> last year (laughs) because companies were not ready last year i was working for one of the casinos and we were trying to get work from home for months and months before COVID happened and then it happened and it's like crap we have to hurry up and move to this the structure this format and so companies are struggling and i think they've gotten a hold of it now but for the better part of 2020 they struggled trying to make sure that they could still get work done but from different locations Um, and i think that's going to be work from home is going to be the way of the future because we've proven now that we don't have to sit in a physical office. Uh, Cause being at home all the time is like, people assume your office hours are from like midnight to midnight, but they're not, <laughs> you know, like, no, it's nine to five. <laughs> and um, it takes some adjusting, but the security field in general, it's going to continue to evolve. It's going to continue to grow. There's going to continue to be, opportunities for people to come into it because there's not enough skilled talent yet. Cyber Jitsu is working on that. And then the other part of it is organizations are afraid to take a chance on folks that don't necessarily have all of the skills up front Mm. because they have to train them once they get in there. And it's like, well, if I train them and then they leave, I just lost that money. And so that's what they're thinking about. But there's a lot of opportunity for folks that are interested in going into cybersecurity. It's a growing field. Like I said, it's an amazing field. It's, an, it's if you like to solve puzzles, if you like to figure out challenges, if you, if you like to play, right? We do a lot of gaming in the cyber industry. It's a great place for people to come. And it's a lot of fun. With Cyber Jitsu, that came about, um, the founder, Lisa, she was in a couple of different groups in Northern Virginia. She didn't like what was going on, what she saw. Some of them fizzled out. She was like, you know what? I just want to get hands on. I just want to learn. That's how the organization started. I failed CISSP and I found a study group because somebody recommended a study group. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And that's kind of how it evolved. And the purpose and the goal is to bring awareness to cybersecurity as a career field for women and then give them hands-on training, give them the skills that they need to enter the industry and grow in the industry and stay in the industry, provide them with mentors, provide them with the study groups, the boot camps, the mentoring small groups that we have, you know, going to conferences together. It's like, you don't want to feel alone in this industry. And so we provide that for, for women, because when my first job, that one I wanted to quit, I was the only female (laughs) and I was only, I was the only minority. I recognized that, but I didn't think that was an issue at the time because I wasn't, I had just got in the space, so I had no clue what I was getting myself into, but that was 11 plus years ago. Look where we're at now. Organizations are popping up. There's so many more opportunities and avenues for people to get educated for 
either free or really low low cost. We just launched, for those of you that are in Northern Virginia, <laughs> we have the Virginia Cyber Skills Academy that just launched. Um, <laughs> we got a grant for that to help train people that were affected by COVID to either reskill them or upskill them so that they can get a job, you know, if they work from like hospitality or finance um, or the restaurant industry, we'll train them up, put them in you know, position someplace to get them a job that's giving them more money than what they were making before. It, honestly, being in cyber, being in tech, it's about the community. And tapping into a community is going to be super important for anybody that wants to get in. Mm-hmm. You briefly touched on this experience of being an only in the organizations. And when I was on the Cyber Jitsu website, um, a stat that I saw was that 20% of the information security workforce are women. That's very low. <laughs> so um, and it was I 11 know. when I started. <laughs> wow. And that, yeah. was, that was 11 years ago, right? Yeah. So, so it's pretty much dumb, doubled in that, in that time span as well. Right. Um, so you mentioned folks who, you know, don't have backgrounds in this space and mm-hmm. this concept of upskilling or reskilling. Um, I'm curious to know some unconventional you know, career paths that you've seen during your time, because obviously you've been involved with that community for, for over eight years, right? Yeah. Since the very, since the beginning. Yeah. Um, Accounting. Actually, some of our, some of our volunteer leads, they come from accounting, which is an interesting place to come from because you have that business mindset, which you need in cyber, right? Um, What else? Librarians. I have one of my good friends, InfoSec Sherpa. She was a librarian but she has the, the knowledge to be able to research, right? Mm-hmm. And do open source intelligence and know where to go and know how to look for things. What else have I seen? I've, we've had dancers, like they went to school for like fine arts and dancing and stuff. They've come in to cyber because they know the artistic side because I think cybersecurity is artistic. Most of the folks in this industry have some sort of artistic bone in them. So we've seen pretty much the whole educators that have come over which is great because they know how to they know how to teach. They can take the concepts of cyber and teach it to someone else. Teachers, educators. There's a guy that I just talked to today or this week. He's in anthropology. I'm like, and he wants to come into cybersecurity. I said, okay. I wonder how we can make that happen with anthropology. You're dealing with artifacts, physical artifacts. So he could potentially go into the field of digital forensics and work with artifacts and think and you know investigations and things like that. So it doesn't matter the industry you're in. We had a manager that's he was a man a GM for a restaurant. It's like, okay, you can manage. You have management skills. You managed a whole business. <laughs> we need wow. folks like you in cybersecurity. So it doesn't matter the industry you come from. If you have the aptitude, if you have the the passion to learn something new and you take the time to learn it, you could be super successful. Mm-hmm. This makes me really happy. And the fact that you brought very practical, you know, backgrounds that people have and just to, to show, because, you know, part of equity work is making things more accessible, right? And reducing mm-hmm. those barriers to entry. And it really pains me when I hear like, you need to have, you know, all of these things in order to get started. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> we just need people who can, are creative, who mm-hmm. are great at solving problems, who have all these transferable skills. And honestly, I think you're able to bring that much more value right. and you know a unique perspective into when you're working in teams so um, mm-hmm. i'm really happy that, that you shared those examples <laughs> i'm curious also to know because you 
in reading like you have a blog as well and you share like finance tips which is so cool um <laughs> and you know i learned that you know you gained all this you know bookkeeping experience by being part of this community and yeah. you're like okay like how do i you know then package that and share it with other people um but one thing that i noticed a pattern in in doing research for this episode is that i saw how much you value building relationships how much com community is important which you've talked about mentorship mm -hmm. i'm really interested with over 11 years of experience in this space like how have you approached relationship building how have you developed and nurtured connections with people in this space lots of wine so wine? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I tell this to everybody i'm an avid wine drinker we make wine here in las vegas but honestly happy hours and even if people don't drink you don't have to drink to go when you go to a happy hour but i feel like building relation or starting a relationship can be difficult for some people. So you have to be in an environment that's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more comfortable so that you can kind of be yourself. And so I've met some of my closest cyber friends through happy hours. <laughs> Cause I love to go to a happy hour. I love to go someplace and just chill and relax and not even like happy hours and at the happy hour time, but like, lobby cons at conferences. I've, I've met so many people by just going to the conference and hanging out in the lobby outside of it because I couldn't, you know, get the tickets or other folks couldn't get the tickets or whatever. It's, it's unconventional places. Meetup is a great place to start building relationships and find people. And it doesn't have to necessarily be just in cyber. It can be in anything that you have an interest in. So I have an interest in real estate. I have a real estate license um, as well. And um, I go to real estate meetups to meet other folks in real estate because that's something I have an interest for, right? And mm. people think you have to have a mentor or you have to build relationships only in the tech and cyberspace. That's not true. It's helpful. So yes, build there, but also build outside because guess what? If you decide to leave your job, you can talk to your friends someplace else and say, hey, I'm looking for a new position. They may know somebody in a different place that's not specific to cybersecurity, that would be great. I worked in the casino. That's not a cybersecurity, that's retail and finance. <laughs> but they have one of the best cybersecurity organizations across the country in the casino space. I got that because I had a friend that worked there. They're like, hey, we're, we're hiring, we need people. I would have never guessed to go to a casino because I was always just like either government or someplace that's specific to cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you find role models and mentors in all kinds of places. LinkedIn's another great place too. Yeah, I agree. And something that you kind of described there is just this idea of getting started, right? And it doesn't need to be this big, you know, goal or adventure that you have in front of you. But I really believe in like small steps move the needle. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a reminder that I tell myself just to stay consistent, right, with whatever that it is that you're right. working on. And so, um, you know, when we look at your career, your educational background, the certifications that you hold, um, the moves that you've made thus far and are going to continue to make, um, I'd love to to understand your approach to skills building and also i think you have over 10 certifications or something and i just learned oh, that you expired yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just learned that you have a real estate license i love real estate so i'm so happy to to hear this from you but can you talk a little bit about 
you know, when someone looks at your career, they're like, wow, wow. Like, how do I even begin to, I don't know if model is the right word, but what's been your approach to skill building in a way that isn't overwhelming? So people, I get messages on LinkedIn all the time. Like, oh, I looked at your, your, your journey. It looks great. You know, how do I do this? You don't, right? Your journey is your journey, right? right. Mine, I started down the certification path because one, I knew I needed a certification early on because um, I knew I wasn't going to stay at that job forever. And two, because I wanted to get a more in-depth um, understanding of the tools that I was working on. There's so much, and back then there wasn't a lot of free stuff. So like Coursera and Udemy and all these sites, they weren't, they weren't a thing. So if you're interested in going into cyber or into tech, you got to have a, a goal. What's your goal? What do you want to do when you get in there? And if you don't know, a friend of mine, Vic, he has this acronym called PIVOT. If you don't know, then you need to start evaluating, okay, what do I want to do? So plan, right? Then I need to inventory my skills. What skills do I currently have? Doesn't matter if they're cybersecurity related or not. What skills do I have? Am I great with organization? Am I, am I a good writer? Am I, you know, can I analyze problems quickly? Inventory those sets of skills. And then there's a website that, um, NIST has, I think it's NIST Nice. Um, I'll have to share the link with you, but it's a great website where you can go and type in skills that you have and see what types of roles come up. Mm. And then you can look at those roles and say, okay, this is the type of experience I need. This is the education that I need. All right, let me start looking at these different things. With so many free options out there, um, it can definitely be overwhelming. I get overwhelmed now still as I look through this stuff. So I'm like, dang, what am I supposed to do next? I'm like, right. but I want to go into management, but I really want to do this technical stuff. And so, um, like you said, take it in small bites. Take it small chunks at a time. You don't have to conquer the world tomorrow. You just have to figure out, like, okay, figure out, these are the kind of jobs that I want to do. All right, let me see what kind of skills do I need all right, find cyber jitsu and let's take a, a workshop or a training or something with them. Cause we keep all of our previous trainings recorded um, and on our website. Um, so if you're a member, you can access that information. Let me go to these free conferences. Cause right now SANS has a ton of free uh, SANS summits happening before their actual training courses, tons of valuable information there, tons of folks that you can connect with after the event. WESIS is another good one. They have their major conference every year. Um, I think it's in Denver this year in, in September. Start to start to network with these groups and these people in these groups. And that'll start to help you see, okay, I need to do this or I need to do that. If you want to become a pen tester, okay, start small. There's Ethical Hacker. If you want to go that route with EC Council, CompTIA has the Pen Test Plus. You can go that route if that's what you want to do. And even if you don't get the certification, at least the studying part of it, um, it's helpful because while you're studying, if you're interviewing for jobs, the information is fresh and you can explain, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to get to. And it's super helpful that way. Um, but start small, you know, figure out what your skills are. You can even take it as far as figure out what skills you want to have. So I want to be a CISO. So I know that I needed these additional skills. And so I've put into place things to do to get those additional skills, volunteering, public speaking, running other groups and doing other things and you have to just go down that path mm -hmm. and once That's you're it. in mm -hmm. it's easier to move around that was um an interesting pivot as a way to describe the different you know steps that you can take to grow mm -hmm. and advance and this is the power of why so i'm always very curious about 
what drives people and just gaining a little bit more of an understanding of what your why is and, you know, what it is that motivates you on a day-to-day basis? Uh, That's a tough one. So I got into the industry because it wasn't because I was like super in love with cyber tech. I just wanted to, I needed a job and I went to school for information security and all that stuff. I wanted to learn. I wanted to make money. I wanted to learn and I wanted to grow. But as I got into it and as I, you know, and I found the nonprofit and I saw the impact that it was making on people, I was like, whoa, this is, this is powerful. I've always been a a philanthropist, I guess you could say. And so being able to give back to others that were really passionate, that were really, you know, excited about the industry was, is what keeps me going. Cause trust me, there's days where I'm like, you know what? I'm out. Peace. Bump this. <laughs> and then I'll get an email from somebody that said, oh, my God, I listened to blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, I was in your study group or blah, blah, blah. And I got the new job or I passed the certification. And it's like, wow, this is why we do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. For those, it, It's not thousands of people, but for those folks that are super excited about their success and they, they come to us and say, you guys help me do this. That's why I do this. And you know, those things might seem small, right? Like it was a simple introduction that you made, or it was Mm -hmm. the way that you provided, you know, advice that they needed to hear in that moment that goes on and like changes their lives and livelihoods Mm -hmm. and the way that they're able to support their family. And, you know, I didn't plan on like talking to you about the financial aspect of, of, you know, your passions and what it is that you work on, but I'm, I'm really curious to understand, you know, what, Okay, maybe I can ask this first. But like, what, what were some of the? <laughs> I have so many questions for you, Mary. Um, ask away. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the? I mean, we got like we got an understanding of it. But what are some of the um, best investments that you made in yourself? Whether that's you know time or it doesn't have to be a financial investment or resources that you've really used to to be a better person and to to, to also learn. Let's see. The best investment, the best investment I think I made in myself was slowing down, which is, it's kind of, it's not really an investment, but it's, it's a thing. Cause I used to be go, 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 go. I'm still go, 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 go. But COVID forced you to say, okay, hold up, step back. So self-care became a thing (laughs) in 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Self-care became a big thing. And I used to work on the weekends. I used to work all hours of the night, all that. I don't work on weekends anymore. My mental a lot more. I I can sleep a little bit longer. I can enjoy things that I like to do, the the artsy, craftsy stuff. And it's not monetary, right? But in the grand scheme of things, you only have one life. And I don't want to spend the entire life working. I'm trying to retire in some years. I'm not going to tell my age, but (laughs) I tell folks I'm 25 and I stick to that. Um, but I'm trying to retire soon, early retirement, so that I can go and live on the islands and work because I want to, not because I have to. Mm. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to get to this point if I'm just constantly, if I keep working like a crazy horse, I might not make it to that point. You know, mm. I may get sick. I may, something may happen. And so I want to be able to enjoy my life as I'm getting to that retirement point. So I think self-care, probably the biggest investment for anybody. And that includes mental health days, FYI. And you can tell your boss that you need a mental health day. <laughs> right. This, this, you know, conversation around slowing down and how that actually allows you to make better decisions, you know, mm-hmm. about, you know, what it is that you value and, 
and just taking care of yourself. I think that's so important. And it also really closely relates to the questions that I had around making conversations around finance and money more enjoyable. And also, (laughs) because I think there's a lot of anxiety around, even around like negotiating, you know, your Mm -hmm. salary and negotiating benefits or perks that you have as you enter into these spaces. But this allows you more time, like it frees up a lot of things and provides you more freedom to to live life on your own terms. And so you have many interests and um, for, I'll link your, your blog actually for folks who wanted to read more about it. But I'm curious, what were some of those important financial empowerment conversations that you've had with yourself, um, even your partner, your peers in the early stages of getting better with money? Uh, yeah, so about that. Um, <laughs> honestly, what happened was, so I have student loan debt. And I, I didn't grow up knowing like the ins and outs of money and finance. I saw my folks do their thing. My mom's a finance person. So she probably, if she hears this, she'll be like, what? I thought I taught you, but, um, <laughs> you know, when I got to college, I got a credit card because you get this, you sign up for the credit card, you get the free t-shirt. I had like eight of those things. I had no clue at all at 18 what that actually meant. Right. And so I spent the better half of of time trying to clean up that part of my credit. Um, and then I met my husband or well, not met him cause I've known him for 20 years, but we got married. And then I was like, hold up. We don't have any money ever. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> We're in the military. We don't have any money. And so that kind of started the conversation. It didn't really click. I was still just kind of frivolously spending on dumb stuff that I didn't need. 2019, I saw somebody on Facebook, the budget Nista. And she said she paid off $77,000 in student loans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Tiffany. Oh my goodness. I love her. And I was like, hold up. It was one of those ads that just popped in. I said, how did you do that in three years? I've been paying on $70,000, $80,000 for 10. <laughs> like what the heck? And so I started following her and then I found um, the budget mom. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. I never really had a budget. Our bank has a budgeting tool in there, but I never actually stuck to one. And when I finally sat down and wrote out everything that we were paying for, all the dumb subscriptions, all the stupid stuff we were paying for, I was like, this is where our money's going. This is why we don't have anything, you know, going out and the liquor store and, you know, shopping for clothes that we don't wear and just silly things. And that's when I said, you know what, this has got to change because I'm tired of the student loan debt. I'm tired of these things. And I can't retire with this stuff. And so that kind of really kicked it into gear that I need to focus on this a little bit more. Now that I have money, it's great. However, I need to focus on what I do with that money a little bit more. And so that, that got us into that, that motion. And we do have conversations like this with um, our friends. We talk about, you know, people are like, yeah, I'm making six figures. When you make six figures, if you're not spending it correctly, it's like you're making $50,000 or $20,000, you know, and it's just understanding that concept of where your money is going and planning that got the ball rolling. We just finished our estate planning with the lawyers to do our trusts and things like that, because we felt that was important. We don't have any kids together. He's got a daughter, but we didn't want the state to have all of our stuff, all of the money. Like if we die tomorrow, we wanted our, our family to have that. And so those conversations aren't had as kids. They're barely had as adults, you know. Most people in the black community, in the Hispanic community, they don't know about that stuff because it's not something that's taught. And so 
that's kind of why I started that journey of let me write about finances and money and things like that because it's important. If you're a new cyber professional and you were making $30,000 yesterday, now you're making $90,000, you need to know how to manage that. Otherwise, you're going to be broke. <laughs> so, Agreed. it's really important. So. Agreed. This is incredible. Um, I love that you're able to share that with context on your own story as well, because I think people remember stories more than, <laughs> more than yeah. they do, like, quick facts. Um, <laughs> this was... This was a treat for me. I absolutely love talking to you. This is the first time we met, so I'm really yes. <laughs> um, happy that there was a, a flow and just how honest you were about your own experiences as well. The, the final question on the power of why that I love to ask is what's one thing happening in your industry right now that maybe is a little bit different, something that's new and upcoming that you have your eye on? It doesn't need to be new, by the way. I'm just throwing that out. Okay. Up. The cloud space. So cloud is not new. Going, moving, moving your systems and moving your operations into the cloud has been around for, for forever. I remember when the first cloud certification came out uh, from, I think CSA did it, CCK or something like that. And then Amazon and Google and Microsoft started to do their cloud thing. But it's booming now because we work from home. Right. It's a, it's a thing. We need to, you, we need folks that are able to understand how the cloud works, understand how to operate in the cloud, understand how to provision and secure that, that space. And so while it's in our faces, I still think there's so much more to come from that area. And then some other, another, another thing is the whole crypto. That thing is booming. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know who said what, but man. And then with Bitcoin going up to $60,000, it's like, holy crap. And all of these banks are starting to get behind it and all these different coins are coming out and all these celebrities are getting behind it. And it's just kind of like, and I wish I had got into it back then, but I, I see the, not necessarily Bitcoin, but the blockchain technology in general. I mm -hmm. see that as something that's gonna grow. I think Dubai had a, um, Dubai 2020, where they were converting a lot of their stuff to blockchain and using blockchain. I don't know if that went through because of COVID, but that was one of their things that they were working on. So I, I'm excited to see how blockchain evolves and how we can incorporate that into more regular things that we deal with. Really interesting. And <clears throat> on the cloud conversation, you're you, like during COVID, cloud spend, you know, for, mm -hmm. for companies that were looking to transition, I believe double during that time, yep. which is incredible. And so you have, I'm not even in this space and you have me inspired to Come on, join us. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. <laughs> That's a call to action for not just me, but a lot of yes. you listening to this episode. So thank you. I deeply thank you, Mary, for coming in, sharing your experiences and honestly, just making this conversation with I think for a lot of people is just completely inaccessible. Maybe they haven't even considered it as a career option um, until hopefully today. And hopefully come join cyber, please. We need, we need all of you to fill these roles, right? All of you. So come on, you too. Your experience, it will be great for like policy or social engineering or something along those lines. So definitely need you in, in here too. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for sharing your stories. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? I know you're very active on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is at Mary Galloway, M-A-R-I Galloway, I think. And LinkedIn. LinkedIn's open, so 
shoot me a little note, say, hey, I heard you on the podcast, boom, I'll add you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have the links to everywhere that you can connect with Mary online. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Power of Why. We'll catch you in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Power of Why podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get this podcast out to more people. This episode is also powered by Invest Ottawa. Invest Ottawa supports business owners and entrepreneurs through services and programs and recently opened applications for SheBoot, a six-week boot camp to ensure that your business is investment ready. If you're interested, you can visit investottawa.ca forward slash Shibu to learn more.